This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. Podcast Unlocked, episode 445, this one for May 26, 2020. Ryan McCaffrey joined by Miranda Sanchez. Hello. And of course, plug your ears, Destin Legary. Bam! Hey, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys. Good to see you. Brandon Tyrell is hard at work on IGN Summer of Gaming, which, by the way, launches next week. So he is uh, neck deep. Is it would be too conservative. He's he's completely buried. Uh, there's like maybe one hand thrusting through that's uh, through the surface, but he's he's hanging <laughs> in there, doing a lot of hard work along with our production team. In fact, really most of the team uh, putting together. You know, our our attempt to try to bring home a little bit of E3 in light of uh, the lack of E3 and the lack of our ability to go anywhere and see a bunch of games all in one place. So stay tuned for all of that next week. The schedule is now public. So take a look at that on IGN.com or you can find it on any of IGN's social media channels as well. Uh, Miranda, Minecraft Dungeons is out. It's uh, It feels like it's been a long ride, but it's here. It's finally out. Yeah, I'm super excited to finally dig into it. We do have somebody working on our guide. It is not me, unfortunately, but I am very excited to see what she has put together. So if you guys need any sort of game help, especially if you have younger players who maybe need a little extra assistance on like finding ways to defeat all the mobs or see like what sort of loot you can get, definitely check out our guide. Perfect. And then the, the IGN review is up. It's by Seth Macy, who was just on the podcast here, what, two or three shows back. He's given it a seven. So if you want to learn all the details, Hit up IGN's YouTube to watch his video review or head on over to IGN.com to read his written review. Another quick reminder, I want to plug IGN Unfiltered again because it is with the very Xbox-tastic Marcus Leto, he of longtime Bungie fame, the creator of Master Chief, the longtime art director at Bungie and game director on Halo Reach. So please do check that out on, again, IGN, YouTube, or in this case as well, any of IG, well, there's an IGN unfiltered podcast uh, you can subscribe to, just like you probably subscribe to Unlocked podcast. All right, housekeeping out of the way. Let's get to the news first. Destin Legary, you've been yeah. uh, just as excited as anybody else for next gen. You were you were all in very early on the Xbox One X on your 4K TV. You've been ready yeah. to go for quite a while, mm-hmm. and so uh, I think you will be particularly excited. At this first story, Inexile, one of the more recent Microsoft Studio acquisitions, has confirmed that they will be using the now much hyped Unreal Engine 5 for their Wait a RPG project. Wait a minute. Unreal Engine 5 isn't just for the PS5? <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> I know, right? The, the, the media lied to you. No, 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 that didn't happen at all. That's, it's all fine. But- the power of Unreal Engine Five is um, astounding. It looks it looks absolutely phenomenal. I, I'm really really stoked that we got to see it on a console, regardless of which console it was. And I'm really really happy to hear that people are like, "Hey, yeah, it's going to be on Xbox Series X also." So props in Exile. Thank you for the quote. We definitely appreciate the clarity. Yeah, they, I'm not uh, being sarcastic. I, I'm, no, no, I'm genuinely yeah, now you've saying, t- like, dialed in the series. Yeah, they they said they will indeed be using Unreal Engine Five for our next project. Studio head Brian Fargo confirming on Twitter that it's 
next-gen RPG will use Unreal Engine 5. I mean, the, the, that part's certainly not surprising, given that, of course, in Exile, that's their whole bread and butter is RPGs. That's probably why Microsoft bought them. So to hear that they're doing a next-gen RPG is in and of itself not a surprise. But to me, what I wanted to throw to you guys here to talk about is, to me, this this just little tidbit that Inexile and Brian Fargo have given us is pretty strong evidence that uh, these internal studios that that these that Microsoft has recently acquired are going to be getting additional resources for their projects because Inexile right now is working on finishing up Wasteland Three, which is out at the end of August, and that game, with all due respect. It's not exactly running on the highest octane technology. It's using <laughs> it's using Unity, which yes, Unity has made some beautiful stuff. Don't get me wrong. Uh, some of my favorite games run on Unity. Firewatch is a gorgeous game that runs on Unity. Just as a quick off the top of my head example, but uh, to Unity, I think does not quite have the ceiling. Um, I know I'm going to get like artists and programmers maybe mad at me. I don't know, but it seems to me as a as a layperson gamer that Unreal Engine has a higher ceiling to it than uh, than Unity does in terms of the the quality of production that you can make. And so here, I mean, that means what I'm trying to say is uh, if UE5 is going to be Inexile's next engine for their next RPG. I got to figure that also means that they're going to be probably staffing up, getting more resources, more budget to be thrown at their next game, uh, which, again, will suggest that in it, that Microsoft is putting money into these studios now and not just saying, well, we bought you and keep doing exactly what you were doing exactly the same way you were doing it, Miranda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would hope so, because like the idea, too, is like whenever you get behind like one of these big publishers, right, like you're you're one of the big three, you're part of them now. Um, You hope that you get some resources with that as well. And I I would assume that is the case. And I think even though like maybe I can't speak to like what Unity is capable of, but we've already seen what a real Unreal Engine 5 can do at least to an extent with a tech demo and just hearing that, oh yes, we are being associated with this. Yes. This is something that we are looking forward to um, is I think reassuring to people who don't necessarily know what the scope is of each of these engines. So yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's uh, now Destin. I, I also have to wonder then if you kind of look around, all right, if, if, in Exile is is going to be using UE5. Now, Microsoft's not like EA. They don't force every studio to use some internal engine. Of course, yeah. Halo's running on Slipspace. Um, let's see. To Forza, both Forzas run on uh, a, the same A and B versions of proprietary in-house tech. You've got, uh, well, who else is? I mean, I guess we could we could drill on down the list, but... Like the one that comes to mind for me uh, after reading this bit about Inexile is Double Fine. Like Double hmm. Fine's a studio again, always cre- always super creative, but they haven't made a big budget game really since Brutal Legend. Uh, and okay, Psychonauts Two is is a bigger project than Double Fine has done in a while, but I, I think with all due respect, I wouldn't necessarily call it like a a triple a caliber kind of on that that top tier first party level but now i have to wonder if if somebody like a double fine is going to be is also going to be getting a lot of additional resources and technologies for whatever their next project is after psychonauts 2 which by the way i am super looking forward to 
I mean, I bet I bet they will. It seems like Microsoft's being really supportive of their studios, and obviously, they recognize that the games are going to move. The games are the things that they want to try and sell the most, right? Yeah. Now, I think I read this online, but Unreal um, is also expanding to allow more people access to it, where you have to make a certain amount of profit before they start charging you for the license fees. Is that correct, Ryan? Do you remember reading yeah, that? Yeah, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe mm-hmm. you're correct. I read the same thing where they did revise their, mm-hmm. um, I guess, just for lack of a better term, their terms of the mm-hmm. of their arrangement for anyone that wants to use Unreal Engine to and, let developers keep a little bit more uh, up front. Yeah, I'll Google it really quick. But I mean, to me, that's really exciting. It means more power for people across the board. And it's going to allow for more creativity just for, for everybody. And that's that's really exciting for me. Hopefully, we get some innovators, some movers and shakers that create something really, really special. Yeah, I seem to recall, and you might want to Google this for me too. I seem to recall years ago, like quite a number of years ago now, 360 era at some point, that Microsoft actually signed a studio license with Epic so that anyone in the the Microsoft portfolio could use Unreal. And then, of course, we've seen that uh, the things kind of fell apart first party wise for Microsoft and also. Epic since then had revised because it used to be, I guess I should preface this. It used to be, you'd have to just pay a bunch of money, a licensing Mm -hmm. fee to use a game engine. It was for in the nineties, it was uh, id tech, like the quake engine and unreal was certainly in there in the mix. And you would, you would pay to use that engine. And, and the, the, the structuring, the licensing agreements have changed Mm -hmm. over the years as you know, like Unity went f- is free, and CryEngine I think has pretty generous terms, and and Unreal yeah. in recent years has has done that as well. Have you have you found and that? I have the number here. Unreal yeah. is royalty free until a game makes one million dollars. That's great. So yeah, once it does a million in revenue, then they start charging. So you're talking like the big budgets are going to hit that pretty quick, but that opens up a whole new playing field for a lot of people, a lot of creators, and that's really exciting. No, that's that's really great to see. So, um, yeah. So, in, in case you're wondering, Xbox fans, yes, Xbox will be using Unreal Engine Five. It's going to work great. It's going to look great. Um, <laughs> and I should add too, I did interview Brian Fargo for IGN's Icons series. It's a sort of a, a spotlight with a number of awesome creators coming up. They'll, they'll, I think they'll be sprinkled in throughout the summer of gaming. So, shot one with Brian Fargo last week so look for that he, he and we did actually talk about their the sort of what their next project might look like not in any sort of specific terms but enough that you might find interesting next this week take two interactive they are the parent company of 2k and rockstar has a whole bunch of games on the way in the next generation uh, which is great to see. Take-Two Inter- Interactive, the parent company for game developers like Rockstar and Take-Two, uh, 2K Games, announced that while the coming year uh, will be light in terms of releases, it is planning to release 93 titles over the next five years, including games from across its many studios. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Industry <laughs> analyst Daniel Ahmad. Do you like how I sum that up? Yeah, Daniel absolutely. Ahmad, uh, broke it down saying the 93 titles are defined as 63 core experiences 17 mid-core games and 12 casual slash arcade games. So 
Uh, Miranda, what do you make of this? 2K is a major publisher, but they've, they've been actually, by and large, pretty quiet this generation. So you said uh, quite a few games. Like, there's a lot of games. It's like, this is 93. That is so mm. many games. That's a ton, um, yeah. I, I'm surprised that they're like, hey, guys, we have 63 core experiences, which, I mean, I guess they're trying to say games that more people would play. <laughs> it's really hard to, like, gauge what they're trying to say by core experiences it's like all right and then what's mid-core like if you're trying to yeah. kind of split them up between like these are games that you'd look for on console and these are the games that you look for like ca- casual slash mobile is what i'm right. i'm hearing for casual arcade um and so it's like are the 17 mid-core games games you don't care about like <laughs> what does that mean like, just hopping on the website i was asking the same question miranda and uh looking at a few other properties you got borderlands XCOM, wwe nba civilization uh carnival games golf club uh bioshock uh what else we got here trying to re- mafia the mafia franchise mafia, yep. nba uh, 2k bat- did you say that already wwe yep battleborn nhl um civilized oh civ beyond earth the Evolve franchise, they decided to bring that back in a new way. And Sid Meier, they they have a lot to work with. Yeah, like, and IP wise. Part of me I don't I don't really know. It's like is I guess carnival games could be a <laughs> <The> mid core. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas like civilization for for iPad would probably be more maybe more of the, the casual. Although I don't know, civilization's anything but a casual game. But. Yeah, like that's that's the hard thing is like pinpointing these. And I wonder also too how many of these are actually new versus re-releases because we also saw that they're doing a lot of the collections for Switch coming up here soon. So it's going to be BioShock and Borderlands right. and all of those. So like do, are they counting those as No, because this so this is this is uh I think this is for after Right, for after, but I'm saying that yeah. that could still happen. It could still True. do collections for next gen or something and say Look at these new games as yeah. <laughs> part of all of our titles. But even that being said, like they do have a lot of really great licenses that I think they could work with and that could be very exciting. Um, and of course, we also want new things too. So that's, that's part of the hope. And we, I don't even think we've really talked about GTA yet. Obviously, GTA is on that list, right? Yes, the, <laughs> the, uh, definitely the, the elephant in the room, although that implies a bad thing. It's totally a good thing. Uh, yes, that, that will be, that'll, that might outsell the other 92 games combined. <laughs> uh, I would bet money on that. Do you think we get another Red Dead? Not in the next five years. Uh, that I, feel- I would, I would also bet money on that. We, that, that we, yeah. I think this will be seriously like 93 games in the next five years. One from Rockstar. One. It'll be GTA six and that's it. That's just how they yeah. work now. And it's for sure. It's been working great for gamers. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, them just keeping focused and doing their own dev cycle, perfect. Just let them do that. Yeah, so they're, uh, you know, we know that they're early in production. That's obvious. We talked about uh, when that news broke that I, I think, I definitely think GTA 6 will be out in the next five years, considering they've probably already been on it for, you know, the a year and a half, even the better part of two years already. So they're, I suspect, you know, the next three years or so, but yeah, you, we mentioned, uh, you guys mentioned some of the NBA and WWE coming yeah. out of visual concepts. You mentioned Mafia from Hangar 13. There's also, there's the new studios from uh, Michael Condry, formerly of Sledgehammer, and before that, uh, Visceral with uh, 
Dead Space. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's the new Bioshock team. So uh, th- we know that. That's, thank you. Yes, yeah. there's uh, that's happened. And uh, then, of course, there's remember Ken Levine has been quietly doing something <laughs> since Bioshock Infinite. If you guys remember, you got to go way back at this point. Bioshock Infinite came out spring 2013. Gosh, wow, seven years. It's been seven years since Bioshock Infinite. And then not long after, the, the game did well, but it was so expensive. The budget on it was so high that they ended up kind of spinning down the studio, not closing it, but they effectively laid off all but about 20 people. It was Ken and then a group of people that were left that started off on a separate, smaller project. And then they ended up just renaming the studio so it's not irrational anymore. So if he's still there and doing something, that's probably in the mix on this as well. So yeah, there so, are, go ahead, Miranda. So, so yeah, that was founded three years ago. So we haven't heard anything out of that team. Um, so according to Wikipedia, it's about 25 people for Ghost Story Games. It's that entire yeah. studio. So if they are working on something bigger with a very small team, I could see it taking a long time. But I'm really curious if they're going to announce anything anytime soon because it has been three years. Um, but again, if it is a really small team, it could take a while. Maybe that's the mid, one of the mid-core games, you know? If it's like a sort of smaller team that clearly has talent there, but maybe that's yeah. going to be kind of a of a medium-scope game as opposed to something that's the size of Bioshock Infinite or or one of the, you know, mainline Mafia games, something like that. But yeah, it's uh, it's I'm glad to see 2K slash Take-Two slash Rockstar kind of stepping up their game a little bit because... I don't know about you guys. I I found I think they've always been a pretty high quality publisher. Uh, they haven't always their stuff doesn't always hit. I mean, Evolve is a good example. They were mm-hmm. the kind of the first big four v one game, and yes, it was flawed. I think their messaging was flawed, but the game was good. Mm-hmm. The Destin you mentioned Firaxis, mm-hmm. the 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 Sid Meier stuff, and XCOM are just there. I feel like XCOM phenomenal. Yeah. Firaxis is like the Forza of of for 2K, where it's just it's always consistently good, whether it's whether it's the XCOM stuff or the Sid Meier Civilization stuff. It's always good. So it's like you almost don't get super excited about it because it's just, yep, here comes another good game from those guys. Unless yeah, you're and- Dan, then you're just probably <laughs> bouncing off the yeah. walls in a way we've never seen before. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, it's really exciting for me anytime we're going into a new console generation because we often get new IPs during that time period. And I was just talking to you off-air, Ryan, about how much I love the original Assassin's Creed because it established a whole new IP. We're going into Valhalla now, like the 14th Assassin's Creed. There's been a lot of them. And they've tried mobile, they've tried Game Boy, or Game... Yeah, whatever. Game Boy Advance and all these different platforms for that franchise. And it's still going. And I would love this to be sort of a... Uh, a new era of all new IPs because Battle Royales are great, Apex is great, but I I really love story-driven games, and I think 2K does that uh, fairly well. Like, look at their remastering Mafia, for example, and that was definitely highly regarded for its storytelling at the time of its release uh, back in 2000, I want to say. We talked about it. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, before uh, that, even, for the first one. Yeah, that's going to... That's going to be like a whole new experience. So I'm I'm really really excited about the original Mafia personally. So and whatever yeah, else we'll, comes, uh, we will we'll see what that means. I mean, basically, that means we literally have to start getting a bunch of game announcements. 
from take two and 2k mm-hmm. before too much longer if they've got 93 games that's a lot of stuff that they're going to have to announce here in the not too distant future all right next this week uh new reports suggest that this year's call of duty game shocking news i know will be titled call of duty black ops cold war and will return to the uh, aforementioned setting, the Cold War setting that we've seen that Black Ops 1 was a part of. So the title, Black Ops Cold War, was posted by a known Call of Duty leaker who goes by Okami on Twitter and backed up by sources of Eurogamer. Eurogamer added that it will return to the series' roots but didn't specify any events or locations. Uh, the, of course, now real life in Cold War was uh, by about 47 to 91, according to our write-up on this. So whether this is a prequel to the whole Black Ops game series or just its own standalone thing in there or, or even potentially a reboot in the same way that Modern Warfare was last year remains to be seen. But, uh, Miranda, are you down for more Black Ops? Or, as a big Call of Duty fan, are you kind of done with Black Ops? This is We've had a lot of them. So they've had, I think, the best success with Modern Warfare and the Black Ops series. Um, You have a great note here talking about the other experiments, uh, such as Advanced Warfare and World War II. World War II, I think, was great, but it it was just that. It just needed to be that game, and you didn't need any more of it. I didn't need more of that protagonist. We had our story, and we're done. Uh, Ghosts, let's not even talk about it. They ended that on a cliffhanger, and I never won another game again. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you have to worry about that. Yeah, I I don't think they'd ever revisit that. Um, so if they do kind of want to go back and revisit these very notable games, I can understand that. Um, I don't know if they have a reason to try something super new. Like, what do they gain by gambling that, right? Like, if you can keep with yeah. these two franchises, like, I, th- I think they could do something different. But by keeping with these two different series, I think they can ping pong on very different points in time. So if they do do a Black Ops Cold War and set it as like more of a prequel series, then you kind of get your like historical fiction side to it, right? Like if they kind of just try to do something a little bit more inventive with it. And the Cold War is very cool. Like it's actually one of my favorite points in history. Um, I took a Cold War science history class in college and it was one of my favorite classes. And like there's so much cool science that's developed there. And like, you know, you have the nuclear arms race and then you have all like the space stuff. Like there's just so much there that you can really dig into. I think if you have that and then you do modern warfare doing its own thing with kind of like obviously modern warfare and uh maybe beyond that, I think it could be a really interesting dynamic between those two to give variety to call of duty but not also trying to push them into places where they don't need to be um so i think this could be really good i'm interested i like the cold war as i just said so (laughs) yeah i mean i'm i'm I'm, was very interested in your perspective because you are if not the biggest call of duty fan at ign you're you're right in the top two or three you you love the series and yeah as i I said before i'm i'm just in it for the campaigns at this point so i black ops 4 was uh totally not my jam because it had no single player campaign but i you know miranda you and i tag teamed on the modern warfare review last fall and i you know you really enjoyed the multiplayer by and large and i very much enjoyed the campaign it was really well put together so my my concern here with this project is again just trying to be realistic about things right we say a million times, and it's, we'll say it a million more, we, we're not game developers. We don't know how hard it is, but we know it's really hard, even from our ignorant perspectives on that, <laughs> having never done it ourselves. 
But and I and I preface that to, is to say that we know from a Jason Schreier report last fall, I believe it was the fall, sometime last year, that this game was moved up. The this this Treyarch game, Black Ops Cold War, was moved forward. It was pulled in because it, you know you guys know, of course, it was it was on three year three year three dev team cycles. Every three dev teams, each one got three years to make their game. It was on that path for for quite a while there, but that has seemingly, at least for now, ended because uh, Sledgehammer kind of fell apart. Not literally like the studio's not closed, but per that Schreier report, they were taken off uh, of their of their Call of Duty that would have hit this year. And instead, Treyarch was was uh, had their timeline moved in. And so we're getting the uh, this Black Ops Cold War game. So I just worry, I hope that both certainly campaign and multiplayer, I, I just hope things aren't super rushed because it's Game development's got to be super tough as it is, but when you thought you would have three years and then get a year taken away, I can't even imagine how how difficult that is for a I development mean, team. Absolutely. And like even just throwing bodies at a project like that, that's not going to fix that you're losing time. Like It takes time to develop a good story. It takes time to iterate. It takes time to like go through all the processes and testing these ideas. And like, does this actually work through the game? even if you have people like all around the world working on one thing, it's still going to take a lot of time. I mean, again, just look at Star's games, right? They're a huge studio with, with a bunch of time and a bunch of money. And all of that goes together, especially the, the, just the time, the amount, amount of time that they have to really focus and try these things out and really develop. Um, obviously, it goes a long way for them. And I'm not saying that they could do this. I mean, honestly, Call of Duty sells so much every year. I would I would really wonder what, if they gave like a, a big team, just like, Hey, you guys have all the time you need to make a new call of duty, like reinvent call of duty or something, yeah. or, like figure out like what call of duty is in a sense. That'd be really cool to see, but I don't think we're going to ever get that because to your point, Ryan, like they got to put out a game every year. And I don't think they're going to stop that because just of how much it sells every single year. Um, and so I think there, it is very right to worry about the quality of this one. If it is going to be a rush turnaround, um, and I also personally worry for like the team that's on this game. Like I'm, I'm mostly worried. That's like, are they just like pushing them to like work more I'm to get this done? That like that's, that's my biggest concern. It's like, I re- we already know like a three year cycle on these. So it's, that's fast turnaround. And granted, like call of duty changes quite a bit between its settings, but like the core of what it is, isn't necessarily change too, too much, but still putting a game together is super hard. And so, like, I really hope that the team that is on this, like, whatever they're working with, maybe they're working with assets or things that were from the Sledgehammer game that they are putting together, and hopefully that they can use things to go forward with it. Um, but I, I do hope it turns out well. If it, if it is, end up being something that only got two years in development. Yeah, you make a great point about maybe you know maybe there are we we don't have the full story. We have a mm-hmm. we have a piece of the story. But yeah, you're right. Maybe there are assets that that can be. Uh, re- reused and and or, or I guess not reused, but assets that were set aside that can now be put back into service. Hopefully, right. but and it's funny you said something else too that I I thought was really interesting about about having reinventing at some point having to reinvent Call of Duty by maybe taking a team and just giving them a whole ton of time and let them completely re reinvent it from scratch. And I think that might be the only reasonable way forward at some point because 
you know, it's 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 hard to argue against Activision right now in as far as you, know, you could we could sit here and go, oh, they're just going to alternate modern warfare and black ops every other year until the end of time. And that's going to get really fatiguing and and boring and not exciting. And will the sales eventually trail off? But to what you were saying earlier, ghosts, advanced warfare, World War II, either they just they did not they were either were not sustainable or were not intended to be sustainable as their own sort of sub series. And so here now we're left with black ops and modern warfare. So it's at some point, something's got to give either the sales will start to trail off as people get sick of those, or you got to give them more time to reinvent it, something. So I, I wonder how Activision is going to handle the future of this franchise if they'll try to either bring in or build up a, a new third team that's not Sledgehammer uh, to try and bring in something new or take the reins on one or the other to give Treyarch or Infinity Ward time to go off and completely rethink and reinvent it. I don't know. It's a, it's, it's a really fascinating franchise, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, in a way, I kind of feel like they're Marvel movies, like to do like more of a modern equivalent of what it is. Like, they're popcorn movies. They're really fun. They're, there's yeah. something to it that you love having an event around and then it expires and you move on to the next one. Right. And I think that's kind of what these are. And I think that has a valuable place in gaming, but it's just like, how long do you keep sustaining it? How long can you make this thing that you have interesting? Um, and I think there are a lot of stories to tell, but yeah, I do think at some point they will need to try to reintroduce new ideas or new stories. And honestly, I like new gameplay things because I think a time to kill, just like these fast, you can be a one-man army. Like there's just a lot of very iconic things about specifically Call of Duty multiplayer that I could get into. I feel like I could write a whole essay on like why this is really important and like why it shouldn't change too much. But like subtly reinventing things and like, just making something interesting about it every year is really important. And I think if you do just ping pong between two titles it's going to be pretty tough to do that um but i feel like if they did but i think they do have to go back to the three studio thing like i think they do it keeps it more it's, interesting I, it's, you, I never really thought about <laughs> them as as like the video game equivalents of mcu movies but you're that's a great analogy you're totally spot on with that it's uh i never thought about it that way i like I, that yeah, because it's, it's an event, right? And it's something that everyone gets into, regardless of how much you care about comic books or whatever it may be. Regardless of how much you care about video games, there are always going to be those people who say, it's time for Call of Duty. Like, I'm going to go to the store, I'm going to buy my Mountain Dew, I'm going to buy my Doritos, we're going to hunker down for the weekend, and we're going to have a great time. And that's just, like, what it is. It's just an event. And I do that every single year I review it. I go get my big old bag of Doritos, I get my Mountain Dew, and I have a good time. I've been doing this since I was in high school. And it's just a thing. And it's comforting because it is still that thing and it's really interesting to me okay i'm sorry we like this very big call of duty tangent but this is great <laughs> i really love seeing the different kinds of players for call of duty because some people do like that really more modern fast-paced setting for call of duty and that brings in maybe hero abilities and like different things that really play with the multiplayer but then people also like the very clean-cut classic there are no abilities there are no characters you just have you you have your weapons and you have kill streaks. And you go at it. And it's really cool to see how that changes so much. And I think maybe having different multiplayers for those different kinds of, of people every other year or so or every three years is really good 
to keep their community very like engaged and interested in like these different releases that they have. Um, so I do think that they need to have that variety in some way. And again, going back to it, having something kind of set in Cold War era, especially earlier on, does give you that space to have more historical fiction sort of stuff. Whereas if you do Modern Warfare and maybe a third series that's a little bit more futuristic or a little bit different, then you you kind of get to play in those like other spaces as well. So anyway, Call of Duty. <laughs> Call of Duty. Well, this 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 may be sacrilege to some viewers, but... Black Ops 1 is my favorite Call of Duty campaign ever. Just just edging out uh Modern War Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. I I I love Black Ops 1 and the the campaign was pick. great. Yeah, the story was great the, and the twist at the end was fantastic. All right, let's move on. We've still got a couple more news items to uh run through for you. First, games with gold for June. Destin, what's, yeah. uh, what are we downloading? Looks like uh, Shantae and the Pirate's Curse. Uh, that's available June 1st to 30th. It's a uh, $19.99 ERP usually. Uh, Coffee Talk. Doesn't matter. 13th. It's free with your gold subscription. Yep, yep. <laughs> and then we got Coffee, t- Coffee Talk, which Coffee is uh, talk. regularly $13.99. That's from June 16th to July 15th. I'm excited Destroy- for that one. Welcome to Coffee Talk. Anybody yeah. Saturday Night Live? I, I you guess we're pretty young. <laughs> uh, Destroy All Humans. That's available June 1st to 15th on Xbox One and 360. Don't sleep on that. Definitely pick up Destroy All Humans. Very, very fun. And uh, Cinemora? Available June 16th to 30th. I apologize apologize if I butchered that name. That's on Xbox One and 360. And uh, No Man's Sky hits Game Pass in June. So that's a a good deal. That could definitely be a game you sync time into. Yeah, I'll say. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Interesting move with Destroy All Humans with uh, it's THQ putting that out because they've got a remake coming out yeah. pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> Not, it's like, are you sure you want to give this away for free when you have kind of the same game coming out for money later this year? But all right, we'll see how Destroy All Humans lands. Uh, yeah, it'll be first. cool to see them side by side, like see the improvements that they've made. Yeah. And uh the new one looks pretty good. <laughs> it's been huge on IGN, man. People are are very eager to see it. Like it's it seems to fall into that pocket of like early to mid 2000s nostalgia where people just remember it fondly from the PS2 and and uh, original Xbox. And people love crypto. <laughs> yeah, I I I'm curious to see how it's aged. How cuz not everything from that era ages well. Sometimes it's best left in your brain, but it might just be super fun and and be because it's you know nobody's really making games like that now. Yeah. So it might be a, a, a both nostalgic and a breath of fresh air at the same time. Uh, next this week, System Shock Three. This one has been one I've been uh, keeping a very close eye on. It is continuing. They had some sort of weird like, is this canceled? Is it not? But it's going to move on with different developers. So Other Side Entertainment had been developing it. They have announced that Tencent, yes, the mega conglomerate Tencent, will take over the System Shock franchise from Other Side, who was based out of Boston. In a short message to followers on Twitter, Other Side announced that, quote, Tencent will be taking the franchise forward. As a smaller indie studio, it has been challenging for us to carry the project on our own. We believe Tencent's deep capabilities and expertise as a leading game company 
will bring the franchise to new heights. Uh, there, we had Night Dive involved in remaking the original System Shock, but System Shock 3 was uh, was also in development as... Because 2, I'll tell you guys, if you've never played it, System Shock 2 is uh, probably a top 10, maybe top 15 at the worst game of all time for me. System Shock 2 is an incredible emergent role-playing game which is oh it's it's now i want to play it now that i'm thinking about it but uh have either of you had a chance to play any system shock over the years i have not i have not unfortunately even though i love bioshock and people are like oh if you love bioshock you should play system shock and i'm like oh but it looks really spooky (laughs) it it's yeah it's spookier than bioshock is it's not a hard i wouldn't classify at least system shock 2 as a horror game but it definitely has those kind of creepy undertones. Like, I guess the way I would compare, I would compare that to, um, like, Gone Home, Miranda, is, I don't know about you, like, were you terrified the entire time you played Gone Home? I was I very was. scared, yes. yes. It's, yeah, it's it was not, so good at setting the, t- the the mood of being like, there's going to be something there, man, I don't right. know. I don't know. Like, yeah. Gone Home's totally not a horror game, but like yeah, I was freaked out the whole time. The whole time I was playing yeah. that game. And System Shock 2's a little bit like that, and it's it kind of makes you think there's always something there, and on occasion there is. So it's it's a little bit uh freakier than than Gone Home in that regard, whereas Gone Home, sorry if you've never played it, there's never anything actually scary that happens. But uh yeah, it I'm glad you said that, Miranda, because it when Bioshock was in development, uh, of course, it, Bioshock w- is made by the same people that made System Shock Two, Ken Levine and the Irrational Team. It was sort of regarded as, oh, well, Bioshock is like the spiritual successor to System Shock Two, mm-hmm. and so System Shock Three was a lot of those original people from the from the OG System Shock, including Warren Spector, one of the greatest game designers of all time, and uh, so that's. I gotta say, I'm a little. I mean, no, no offense to Tencent, but okay. Go ahead, please. I'm, I'm very confused because so I I try to find what is Tencent developing, right? Because it's it's really hard to find that. All you see is like, well, they have a lot of money. <laughs> That's about it. It's like, well, we own Riot, and we made right. that fake or that knockoff version of League of Legends, but Tencent owns them anyway, so it doesn't matter, and they can do whatever they want, but. It's like, I don't, when you think about like great game developers, you don't think Tencent, you think, well, they have money. And so I'm very, very curious to see how that goes. Um, I mean, it'd be a good surprise if it actually turns out really well, but. I mean, exactly right. I mean, that's exactly it. It's uh, for me, the, I was excited about System Shock 3 specifically because Warren Spector was involved and some of these original Mm -hmm. creators were involved. And now that they are not going to be, uh is i'm like i mean sure we've seen we've seen other developers come along and do do an ip justice i mean look at look at like the new doom that yes it's it was still the same studio but it was almost none of the same people so not impossible for system shock 3 to turn out great but i mean warren specter does not hop in the director's chair for a game that often these days it's just he's he's not he's he's done a lot in his career and this was uh the first kind of big big project from him in a long time 
Uh, so I was super psyched, psyched about it. And now I'm kind of like, I don't know. I, they're going to have to win me all over again, really. Yeah. Or uh, I was already won over. Right. I mean, uh, most of what I've seen them as far as developing is pretty much a, like free to play mobile games of different la- of IPs and stuff. And it's just a little questionable. But I guess this is their their thing of like, hey, look, we're making a big game. Let's see what what they can do, I guess. Yeah, we'll see what happens. All right, uh, Destin, did you have anything else or shall we move on to the loot box? No, let's go to loot box. All right, let's do it. So, yeah, we're starting to run short on time. Tom Watson from Pingree Grove, Illinois, asks this of you guys. With so many great games being released, it's easy to build a backlog. Don't get me wrong, it's a great problem, and he uses the (laughs) quotes on problem to have. But I own games that were released last year that I haven't touched how do all of you choose what game is uh, that you next choose to dive into and what games get set aside? Destin. Yeah, this one's actually kind of tough because like I find myself just replaying my favorites, like games that I know I'm really, really going to enjoy. Like I just replayed Assassin's Creed 1. Uh, I often will play through Mass Effect 1 again, and those games are starting to show their age. So more recently, I've been trying to find like new favorites that I keep going back to. And I was kind of wondering... Like, I never really pressure myself to play a game. If I, I'll try it out for a little bit. And, it, and for me, I like to sort of, this might sound weird to people, but I really like to get in a good headspace where I can just be calm and relax and really immerse myself in the world to be cheesy about it. So, like, you know, headphones, just kind of shut off the world and just really get into it. And, like, the reason I never started, uh, like, Death Stranding, for example was because I never got to a point where I had enough time to give it the the time that it would deserve to to get a good impression of it. So that's on my backlog. And how do I decide what to play? That's just a tough question. I, I find that time when I can do that, and then I, I play it, especially for new IPs. I like to give new IPs a shot. Miranda, sort, how about you? Sort of a heady answer, sorry. No, I yeah. like that. No, it's tough. Sometimes I just decide based on work, which is a weird thing. Um, and as I think, obviously not a problem everyone's going to have. It's just, I need to prioritize based on what's going to be most important for work. Like I think if there's a game that I think will be or could be up for a game of your consideration and maybe not a lot of people are playing it that, and I've heard good things about it, I will prioritize that because I feel like it's our job to try to seek out these smaller games maybe or just like lesser known games and play them and make sure that they have a fair shot for game of the year or any of our award categories. So I make it a priority to go find those games and play them, especially because I do have like a rather nice-ish PC and I can I can handle some of the games that are only on PC or other different platforms. So it, it's kind of tough. And then also just based on my mood, honestly, mm. um, I juggle a lot of ongoing games. So like obviously like Dota and now I got back into Apex and then I'm playing Animal Crossing still. (laughs) And so it's like, that's three games that are just the same thing every time. Um, And it it makes it, I feel guilty for that sometimes, honestly, because it's like, Oh, it's, I need to be exposing myself to more games or I should be doing different things, but that's how I relax. That's how I want unwind and how I spend time with friends. So those are still important. So I try to mix in other games. So I'm like now using my stream to revisit old games that I really love. And then I also try to use part of my time to just sit down and like, it's kind of like Dustin, like really immerse myself in a game and just like let that be part of my focus and, and just work it into the rotation. Um, and I guess that one just comes down to like either work priority or my mood. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm right with you guys. It's when it when it's my choice because, like I said, Miranda, sometimes it's you you have a, a work influence decision to make about what you're playing. But when it's my choice, it's it's a purely emotional decision. It's what am I in the mood for? Like sometimes sometimes I just want to shoot some stuff. So maybe like I'll log on to Halo multiplayer or fire up Doom again. Uh, and sometimes like no, I don't want to. I just want to relax like you were saying destin and i might choose something more uh narrative based story based something that's that's a little less gameplay intensive and more story heavy so mm-hmm. yeah it's uh we are spoiled <coughs> as as gamers like there's we have so many great video games to play at all times um i would say the one that i that i'm trying to get to right now uh, amidst you know things have I've been pretty busy. I just came off a of one review and so maybe I'll be able to get back to it now. But I, uh, I, my confession is I actually never played Hellblade. So now I want to oh. do that. Uh, and, and apparently it's only like six hours long, uh, which is great for me. So I am looking forward to playing that so that I'm up to speed on it and ready to go for Hellblade 2. I did about half a Hellblade, Ryan, and I was very pleasantly surprised. I got stuck about halfway through on a puzzle because it does it, its puzzle mechanics are really, really cool. Uh, mm. We'll have to talk about it more once you've dove in. Yeah, yeah, it'll be good. Uh, all right, if anybody out there has a loot box question, please send it into the panel. The email address is unlocked at IGN.com. All right, let's see here. Speed run through the Unlock Block trivia from Scott in Omaha, who asks this. With talk of smart delivery, uh, it got him think. Says Scott says it got me thinking of waiting to play certain games until the 360 version came out. So he's he's backing up a couple generations. So he asks, which of these Xbox 360 launch titles did not also have an original Xbox version? So one of these is just a 360 game. The other three were available on both original xbox and the xbox 360 your choices are gun peter jackson's king kong amped three or tony hawk's american wasteland now do either of you think you know it i might miranda nope this is this this time period is so hard for me (laughs) i think i think i remember some things but definitely not all of this I have a guess. All right. Well, I'm going to go your way first since Destin seems to be, uh, he seems reasonably confident. Okay. So I remember playing Amped, but I don't remember which one or when. And I feel like the King Kong game might have been on both just because licensed property sometimes are just, just cross the line because they can. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with Gun. Gun. Okay. <laughs> Never soft. No that was uh, the Tony Hawk, same studio that made Tony Hawk. Never soft. Destin, what do you think? I'm going to go Tony Hawk. Dang. All right. Well, another week of not awarding any points. <gasps> what? Which it was, one? was it? Amped? Yeah. Amped? Uh, yeah. Gun. Okay. Gun. Uh, what's and what's funny about these? So yeah, Gun and Tony Hawk were actually was it both the same developer? Oh. And uh, they they had the. And you, and if you remember back then, original Xbox games were fifty bucks, and it was with the three hundred and sixty PS three generation that games went to sixty bucks. So you were basically paying ten dollars more for Tony Hawk and for Gun uh, and for K- Peter Jackson's King Kong to 
play it in a, in HD. So it was like a ten dollar uh, HD tax. But yeah, uh, the other those three were all on both. Amp three was not. So nice job, Scott from Omaha, on uh, stumping everybody. Nice and again, if you've job. got, if anybody out there uh, has an Xbox trivia question, I'd love to hear it. Unlocked at ign.com. Please include four multiple choice answers and note the correct one in your email. All right, let's hit the road. I guess uh, I'll give a quick plug first. You can follow me on Twitter if you are so inclined. I'm at DMC underscore Ryan. My review of Saints Row the Third Remastered is up. And then otherwise, yeah, just a lot of like prep work for future cool things. I'm shooting an unfiltered tomorrow, which I'm very excited about. Uh, so. I'll leave it at that. Miranda. Hi, you can follow me at Havoc Gross on Havoc with a K on Instagram, Twitter, uh, and also Twitch. I actually stream now because I'm just here. Um, every Tuesday, which is today, this the day this episode is going up, I stream Bioshock at 7.30 p.m. PT, and I usually go for two or three hours, depending on how tired I get because I get really scared. Um, and we have a lot of fun adventures. Other than that, um, mostly just doing some summer room gaming things, and, so, which I can't talk about, obviously, but you can check out that schedule on IGN. Fantastic. Destin, bring us home. Yeah, my personal stuff over at youtube.com slash the Destin channel. Uh, I've been streaming less regular on Tuesdays and Thursdays just because of life. Uh, but uh, twitch.tv slash Destin and mixer.com slash Destin and the YouTube channel. So for personal stuff there, mostly though, I'm like coordinating a whole bunch of stuff for Summer of Gaming. I'm making sure that the recordings are good. I'm building the templates so that our, our other producers are able to do the vMix, the recording software that we're using <laughs> and uh, stuff like that. So it's a little bit more behind the scenes lately, but that's what I'm working on. We appreciate Watch all the Mortal Kombat friendships. Watch all the Mortal Kombat friendships. (laughs) I did that this morning. Nice video. Yeah, good job on that one. All right. Well, uh, for Destin Legary and Miranda Sanchez, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This was Podcast Unlocked, episode 445, and we'll see you next week.